Hey, this is your name, your name, your name. And uh, they say it ain't easy. Ian Green. Gang Green. The New York Jets. And their man. The Jets got themselves a great Robert Sala. Robert Sala. Talk about all gas, no break. The great one. We're not talking about effort on the field. Woo! We're talking about the process at which we do things. I'm not gonna lie to you. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Keep your foot on the pedal. Base, 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 base. There's no way I'm not gonna have enthusiasm on the sideline. Hey, own this rut, own this rut. The New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're gonna win next Sunday. Everybody and welcome to the latest edition of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast, broadcasting to you live from beautiful, amazing Crystal Lake Studios in Putnam Valley, New York. My name is Keith Farrell. I am joined, as always, by my colleague and co-host, none other than the biggest Jet fan in the state of Texas, Michael Lagaris. Everyone, yo, what's up, everybody? Mike, what is going on? What's going on now? Since the last time we spoke, a few things have been happening with the Jets here. Sam Darnold got traded. <laughs> Sam Darnold got traded. We've been talking about it for a while. Every podcast we've been on, all the Jet fans we've known have debated it, Mike. Are they going to hold on to him to draft day? What would they get if they did trade him? We've already talked about his past a million times. Me and you have talked about Sam basically for three years, right? When it comes to just the trade itself, what we got, the compensation we got for Sam, I want to hear what you think, Mike. We got a second and a fourth next year, a sixth rounder this year. The fact that they got three total picks for Sam and two pretty decent picks, to me at least, I think Joe Douglas got a little more than I thought we were going to be able to get at this point at least. Joe Douglas wanted a premium pick. He got a premium pick and more. I think he did a phenomenal job. The way COVID has structured how coaches and teams can have access to players is kind of limited in this draft. By next year, there should be more access to a lot of the different recruits that we're going to see. And I think that having that premium pick next year may even benefit us better by picking a better quality player. Not saying that we won't do that this season. I'm just saying they'll have, the scouts will have more access at that time. So again, tremendous. He didn't trade Jamal Adams for a bag of bones. He didn't trade Jamal, uh, uh, Leonard Williams for a bag of bones. And he didn't just throw away Sam. He got what he was looking for. I think that this was a home run on all sides. I think the Carolina Panthers got a quarterback, a young guy, a better prospect than maybe the back end of the quarterback draft here. And uh, for Sam, he's got better weapons. He's in a better situation, reunited with Robbie. I'm really, really happy for him. And I wish him all the best. I'm not hating. Look, when Chad Pennington left and went to the Dolphins, I wished him all the luck. Okay, Sanchez, I could care less. Gino, he could fall off a cliff. Didn't really care about those guys. Not that I'm saying I want them to die or anything like that. But I am rooting for young Samuel. I hope he has a great season. He's a great dude. You hear Joe Douglas talking about him. And um, it's just unfortunate what happened here. I, I don't know if he'll end up becoming a great quarterback just based off what you and I know about him. But if he's going to have some success, he's in a great place to reach it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, and a lot of the Sam Darnold apologists are going to get an opportunity to see if he's as good as they think he is. The people that think that he's just a victim of the circumstances here in New York, which we know, Mike, were tough. They were tough on Sam. I don't know how many QBs could have thrived in his situation. Totally understand that. But when you're honest about the situation, you look at the turnovers the past couple of years, which we got into last week, and you look at the turnovers in college, never really grew as a player when it came to that aspect of his play, when it came to that aspect of being a quarterback. But I wish him the best too, man. We, when we started this podcast, 
podcast off, we had just drafted Sam. So for you and I, that's been our only quarterback here since we've been rolling with AEBG since day one. So that's our only guy, man. And only in, the, in all those years of Sam being there, um, 13 wins, 25 losses. So wishing the best in Carolina. You know, North Carolina is a great place to be. Um, good fans d- down there. And, you know, he's going to have a lot lot more weapons than he had at any point in his Jet career, like you said, Mike. So he might he might go ahead. He might excel. I want to say one more thing before we start getting into this draft breakdown, which we're going to go through all the position groups, give you guys a good primer for the NFL draft here, is just in regards to the media in general. And I know we're a small microcosm, you know, of that, I guess, in a way, because we sit here and talk about the Jets every single week, talk to people about the Jets at all times. But I mean, you know, the bigger picture media, people that have like millions and millions and millions of uh, followers, voices, people that listen to them. Um, the New York Post headline, after Philip Adams was the uh, play for the Jets, 12 games for the Jets back in 2014, unfortunately murdered five people, murdered himself. Former Jet murders five people. You know, it's not, and it's like as sensationalistic as a headline can possibly be because he did only play for the Jets um, there in 2014. He was 2014. This yeah, guy 20, played 2014, for us? and it was even seventh rounder. It was in the seventh round pick in 2010 by the 49ers. Played for the Pats. Looks like he played for the Pats, the Seahawks, the Raiders, uh, the Jets. 12 games, then with the Falcons, 2015, he finished up. And my only, so the, so the New York Post said a Jet killed five people. Yeah, I mean that was basically Ridiculous. the headline, and and I might be I might be uh, mispronouncing what the headline was, but. That was the headline. It was Jet Player Kills However Many People. That's right. And I saw on different places on Facebook, uh, people making a joke about it. You know, it's tough being a Jet. This is what, what it could lead to and things like that. I just want to say, you know, in general, and I know a lot of people know this already, but to me especially, man, mental illness is not something that's funny to joke about. And it's mm-hmm. not funny to make light of someone that murdered five people, took his own life. And, yeah. uh, you know, whether people are that stupid that they, they think that's funny when they make a joke about it or put the post headline up and make a fuss about it just to get clicks or whatever, or yeah. they're just being willfully ignorant. Um, it's not mm-hmm. something that's that funny, I don't think. And I just want to say to ABG listeners, when you play into trolls that are out there, that put things out there like this, or put something out there that makes you be like, oh my God, I can't believe this person said this or made a joke about it. Um, ignoring those people usually is the best route because when mm. you click on something, get into an argument with someone about this type of thing, and Mike knows much better than me. I'm not as social, social media savvy as Mike. Mike's out there on the AABG pages talking to people. Um, people sometimes like the shows. People sometimes don't like the shows. They say mean things. They say nice things. Mike always handles things with class because Mike's a classy guy. Not everybody's like that, unfortunately, on the internet. And I do think a lot of people, Mike, because they don't really have, and this goes with the post and in general, people that make light of these things just to get a laugh or a click. Um, they do that maybe because they don't really have talents, you know, they don't really uh, have a way to generate clicks or generate interest in themselves aside from being a troll, which is mm-hmm. sad because it is kind of the society we live in. And sports, we love sports. Um, it's the world of entertainment. It's kind of an escape for all of us. But unfortunately, sometimes those real world problems creep into the sports world. So I just hope people show some more class. New York Post, I don't expect you to show class anytime soon. But out there yeah. in the ABG universe, in the Jet universe as a whole, let's be a little classier. Let's be a little nicer to each other. Not make a joke because um, we have no other way to um, create interest in ourselves or our product or anything like that. No, that's a sad, a very sad situation. And I'm sure the Post just used that headline to get clicks or get attention i mean that's just what the media does unfortunately and something serious like that is not a joke and should never be used for anything but learning and understanding and growing and making sure that we treat one another better with more respect in the future so good call let's get into the juicy stuff nfl draft coming up in the offseason the most exciting time of the year for a lot of teams this year with the jets with 10 picks mike I think Jet fans are ready. They want to know the players of these positions. They could, they should be Googling. They should be looking into who's the best offensive lineman. I'm going to tell you. Yep. Who's the best cornerback? Mike's going to tell you. We're going to break it all down right now. 
AEBG 2021 draft primer. Let's go. The situation uh, kind of got heavy on me. Welcome back. Right at the top here. The, you know, the sexiest position in the league. The guys that get the big bucks, the guys that get the chicks, the commercials, is the quarterback position, right? Yeah. Somewhere we have a big giant gaping hole now because we traded away Sam Darnold. I think we have an agreement here at one and two. I could be wrong. Not trying to put words in your mouth. For me, at least, I still got to have uh, Trevor Lawrence there with a slight edge over Zach. Zach Wilson, when we coming to these quarterback rankings, we get to the draft. Me and Mike can go through four or five guys, all these positions for you. Um, I think three years there at, at Clemson, 10,000 yards, Mike. 34-2 and two record. And I know he had a lot of talent around him. That's pretty impressive. 90 TD, 17 ints. Um, that's that's a pretty good that's a pretty good prospect right there. I still have him at one. And at two, Mike, Zach Wilson yep. for me. 3-2-10. We've gone through him, guys, for about a month here. Um, averaged 307 yards game last year. 67% uh, 67% completion percentage. 196.4 rating. That's my one and two. In the class, um, I would put Trevor as the better prospect, obviously, to your point. But I would say as a natural thrower, I don't know of any other recruit that I have seen that can throw. Maybe Mahomes out of Texas Tech. And uh, and to, to the point of uh, why his stock dropped was because of where he played. That's just lazy analysis. And you know, we have to get into this too, because I forgot to, and I'm, I'd be I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this before we talk about all these different positions, is we did try this once already this week, Mike, and we had a massive computer breakdown. The guys from Wepitot, I want to apologize to you guys. I sent you guys back on after the draft. When we get back into these quarterback positions, you had a little bit of a disagreement with Jimmy Dardine when we did record this originally, right? You had a little bit of a disagreement with me when it came to the number three recruit and your friends and many people. I know, I know it's 50-50 and a lot of people are on your side when it comes to these quarterback prospects and who they think that number three guy is now i think jimmy jardine thought some of these nfl analysts think the niners are taking mac jones you tend to disagree mike what do you think about mac jones as a prospect here mac jones there's no question this the numbers right the output the execution within the alabama format the talent he played around the talent he had and the talent that he leveraged to go ahead and win a national championship there's no question about that there's no question about how his ability to break down and process reads you know go to his first second third he understands all of that and i believe in a system like the 49ers mike shanahan would leverage that and he would get in there and execute but in my opinion you don't jump from 12 to for a one-dimensional type all of that draft capital. you know now i understand that tom brady you saw him win a super bowl he's not a runner he's not somebody that's going to be able to improvise when there are uh there's pressure on there and he was able to win a super bowl he's won actually seven right but if you look at tom brady's teams and you look at this last team he was part of he had everything he had the best receiving core. He had great blocking. He had the running backs. Okay, so when you have the fit, obviously, you can get it done. But in my opinion, Mac Jones is limited. And his ceiling is never going to be potentially what a a, a, um, a Zach Wilson or a uh, Justin Fields or Trey Lance can bring. See, a Trey Lance, in my opinion, is very raw very you know doesn't have all of the uh, credentials that a guy like mac jones has but his raw talent his ability to break tackles you know go look watch his tape when he yeah. gets tackled shedding cats oh God, yeah. at 19 years old you know what i'm saying laser ability to hit 
cats going across the middle can make yeah. every throw. You know what I'm saying? You look at a Justin Fields, 4-4-40 speed. You get a guy like that, okay, to then learn how to make his progressions and fit within his system, okay? That level, that ceiling would take the 49ers into another place. And that, to me, is the value you give up all those picks. I can get Mac Jones or a quarterback like Mac Jones at 12 or through another way. But at three, I'm getting a guy that I can mold into a weapon, especially with considering the fact that I've got Jimmy G for the next year, right? Yeah. So that yeah, yeah. that's just my opinion. No, I totally understand what you're saying. And when it comes to overall skill set, I think Fields and, and Lance on paper are probably going to check more boxes than Mac Jones. I think when it comes to the Niners and what they do on offense, you look at Jimmy G in his career, 104 rushing yards. So, you know, he they just – Jimmy G, but then when you look at what he does well – um, 69% completion percentage, 67, 67 over a couple years there with the Niners. I know he missed games, Mike, and he gets hurt a lot. But basically what they're asking you to do is run that play action well, which it seems like he, he'd be more than more – than, and you look at – me and you like to talk about – when we talked about a few years ago um, about Sean Watson, and QBs, me and you tend to like – love to look at guys and how they play in their biggest games. Mm. You know, me and you are always like, well, how do these guys play in their biggest games? Even with the tremendous talent that – Mac Jones had around him, which which can't be argued. Mike, no one can argue with that. Um, you still look at it, and he had 4,500 yards, which was the most in the history of Alabama school. They've had other talented quarterbacks before. Um, the second most ever in the history of the SEC. And then you look there at the end of the year, you know all his touchdowns and his quarterback rating was the highest ever in the history of college. Yep. So all those are just numbers. And if Mike was to say those are just numbers that could be inflated because they're playing at Alabama, it'd be tough for me to argue that, Mike, because it's the best team in the country. Devonta Smith and Waddle are getting drafted at the top. They got a running back who's a complete beast. He's like a mini Marshawn Lynch. Um, but but then I looked, I wanted to look, and you look at that SEC title game versus Florida, and he had 418 yards, five TDs in those game, in that game, right? The semifinal game versus ND, 297 yards, four TDs. Then in the national title game, he just went, he went crazy. And yeah, then 464, yep. five TDs. That's 14 TDs in those last three games. Almost averaged 400 yards a game, and his completion percentage was right around 80%. Those were the biggest games of the year where we've seen other quarterbacks with really, really good talent around them also kind of faltered. And I'm not saying Trevor Lawrence faltered, Mike, but we've seen mm -hmm. him not have the best games. They have tremendous talent, too. So I think for what San Francisco is looking to do, and, you know, it might be – he might not be the best prospect out of the five. So in that way, I might lean towards what you're saying. But I do think the Niners are going to take him. That's what I think. That's what it's I think. It definitely can happen, and I understand your point, and I hear what you're saying about can you uh, commit and can you execute in the top moments. I will say this. Fields did it, too. You and I saw it yeah. live. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Live. Hit, right, versus Clemson. Cute Fields game. also Cute. gamer, right? And in the national so, title game, I know yeah. they didn't come out on top, but that kid took a hit that I think would have put a lot of quarterbacks out of the game. That's, and, playing. And, and he kept him in the game to a certain extent. And you know. that's why I want to just let all Jet fans know I want Zach Wilson. If the Jets somehow took Justin Fields, I would not be angry. I'm telling you because I like the kid's head. I like his head. I like his attitude. Yeah. And his ability is great. It's just what scares me with him is holding on the ball too long. Yeah. And when know, we talked about facts. him with, uh, when we talked about him and did our show in the, the QB Chronicles, he's about 68% completion percentage, which is tremendous. 67 yeah. TDs, nine ints in college. So I know Ohio State's another school like Alabama, tremendous talent. But you look at his rushing stats as well, and that that's a tremendous athlete. That's a tremendous player right there. And I know, like we've said on the show, and I said this to you when we originally recorded the show, Mike, sometimes it seemed like at least 
when things got a little off schedule, he wasn't even the, wasn't the best improvisationally where you might think he would be. But what if he's in a system in the NFL where everything is on schedule? And, he, yeah. and he's going to be great. So yeah, that's how you got to kind of look at it. You know, if you have a team exactly. that surrounds him with talent. Um, and when I get to the last the last couple quarterbacks to me, let's keep an eye on that. We'll probably get drafted in the first round. You know Lance is getting taken in the first round. Mm -hmm, Every, everything you said, Mike. I mean, mm -hmm, he didn't mm -hmm. play last year. 2019, he was tremendous. And Kyle Trask also out there in Florida. Tremendous quarterback. 6'5", 240. He's a big mm -hmm, boy. 43 mm -hmm. TDs, 8 interceptions last year. And after that... It's crapshoot to me which quarterbacks need grabbed up. I think there's going to be some guys taken, maybe Mond in the second round. Yeah. Um, and I think with us, though, I think with the JETS, 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 we know who we're grabbing up. Zach Getting Wilson, new. The, new, the new chosen one. All right, now let's get into these cornerbacks. At number 23, we know we have a whole bunch of needs still in the squadron. I think a true shutdown number one corner maybe is our biggest need right now. There's a lot of guys in this draft that are candidates, Mike. A lot of guys in this draft, three or four corners especially, that could be legit studs in the NFL. Um, mm. You made a nice nice list for everybody here for the AEBG universe. Why don't you let everybody know what you think are the best corners in this year's draft? Well, look, everybody, I just want to let you guys know how I look at cornerbacks, how I judge cornerbacks, okay? When I'm looking and when I'm, what I think is real value at the next level, okay? I'm, I'm your stats, your interceptions, your tackles, how you fit in a zone scheme. That to me is secondary, even to an extent, your technique in certain ways. But I look at raw ability, elite skill. Are you elite at one or two things? That is just insane. How strong are your ball skills? Right? Are you know those those unique tendencies that you may be like, yo, I'm not gonna jump, I'm not gonna jump, I'm gonna jump, knock the ball away, right? Like that, that's innate. Looking through the defender, looking at the quarterback, right? Those being able to close, right? Guy beats you, you can close and break the, break that up, right? Fluid hips, you know, you're backpedaling and being able to turn yourself and then stay with the receiver, right? That like your size, that's the type of stuff to me is that i look at and i say yo i like that kid and how he's going to translate into the next level the first guy i'll talk about aaron robinson elite speed he's a nickel uh, uh could be nickel could be outside right um pure ability he's a guy that can close the gap now technically he's a bit raw right you know on how you know his his foot placement and whatnot but he has real speed and he's played on an island before where they ask him hey cover this guy no safety help right covering a dude in the slot there's no no one else but you to stop the play and he's able to really leverage the boundary uh, uh and use that as a weapon to hold these guys in so he could be inside outside slot like i said what are the what's his elite trait his speed he has the speed to play at the next level my fourth cat is patrick certain now Patrick Sertain is considered the best cornerback in the draft by many, and a lot of it has to do with his hype around his name, his pedigree. Look, when you look at the guy, I understand he ran a 4-4-2-40. That's fast, but what's his game speed look like? It's not elite. He's not a real explosive player. He's great scheme. He has really good ball skills, understood, and that's why I have him here because of his size, but I don't see Patrick Sertain as like Revis, as like... Uh, um, Patrick Ramsey. Yeah, I don't yeah. see that. Okay, he drive. He tries to gr uh, guard a guy like Tariq Hill. He's going to get burned. In my opinion. I think the Cowboys are taking him at ten because Jerry Jones is, loves the hype. Okay, <laughs> my third guy, who could be honestly my first, Caleb Farley. Unique. 
top five worthy in his regard to skill. He has the size and he the way he moves at his size, his ability, he can jam or play off. Tremendous. He can he 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 like I told you about the hips, backpedaling and then turning with he has that it's like fluid is like, there's no choppiness it's just Stop. like like a wave start you know what i'm saying start um, ability his unbelievable puts his foot in the ground able to change angles directions at his size man this guy's like six two six three you know what i'm saying uh two uh, twelve i think he is he got hurt and then he had back surgery he's gonna fall in in the draft now he just got medically cleared today okay so I do see him going in the first round. Could we get him at 23? It's possible. But to me, a healthy Caleb Farley is the number one or number one B uh, cornerback in this draft. Love that dude. My second guy is Tyson Campbell. Another guy who was asked, yo, I need you to play the best cat. He played against Alabama. He was up against Waddle. He was up against Smith. When they played against uh, Florida, he played Kyle Pitts. This guy on Georgia, I want everybody to go in and look at the tape on this kid. He has the size, 6'2", 185, extremely aggressive. He has great hips, outside corner, dangerous agility and quickness. He has that NFL build, and he's a man coverage dude. In the solid defense, that's the type of cornerbacks he's looking for. He can put his foot in the ground and just make a play. Tyson Campbell, I love this guy, and he's probably going to definitely be there It's in the second round because he's not really one of the guys that a lot of the media is pushing, but he played at a top school, and he played against top defenses, and he was the dude. They were like, you know, when we play five on five, and we're like, yo, you're the best defender. Yo, play him. You got Jordan. You got Jordan. That's what he was when he yeah. played, okay? That's why I love him. And my number one cornerback in this draft is, is going to be J.C. Horn. Big, long, fast, athletic, six foot one, 205 pounds, 33 inch son, arms, son of Joe Horn. Okay. So he also has the pedigree. I love him because he's a three year starter. Size and speed can play zone and man, can see through the receiver to the quarterback, has tremendous ball skills, the patience, the natural ability. He can play on an island and he played guys like AJ Brown. Kyle Pitts, Devontae oh, Smith, Jalen Waddle, Jerry NFL. Judy, this Henry kid Ruggs, to me, Elijah Moore, if Keith, if somehow we even package one of the seconds next year and move up to grab him, oh, son. Yeah, Mike, you're talking about with Horn, lowest completion percentage against him in the entire SEC last year. He had 240 snaps in man coverage the past two seasons. That's the most in college football aside from Patrick Sertain. So, and you talk about aggressive, just a guy who is very obviously a gamer. When you see him out there, 6'1", 205 is the size you like. Uh, I agree. I think he's probably, to me, when I went through these corners and looked, I know Sertain, a lot of places have him ahead of of Horn. Most places do have him ahead of Horn. Mm -hmm. But when I look at the tape and you look at what this guy was able to do in the SEC, no one really lit this kid up. I mean, no one really had a good day against him. Uh, and, you know, and I love the competitiveness. I love players like that. Yep. Now, Revis, Revis was quietly, obviously, was very competitive. wasn't a, wasn't a yapper. But I think a guy like Jace Yorn comes to New York with his personality. Yeah. I think that would be a big hit. He's a dog. That's a home run at twenty three. He's a dog. Yeah. He's a dog, no doubt.
All right, now I just want to add a couple more guys here. Now, Sertain, like you said, he's someone that there is some questions about him because of the athleticism. I know a 4-4-4-2-40 is not the worst for corners. It's good. You want to be in the 4-4 range if you're a corner, but he's not the type of athlete that Horn is, not the type of athlete that Farley is either. Um, he keeps right. really good contact with receivers, uncanny ability to do that and not get a penalty. No penalties for Sertain in 2020, not one penalty. So that shows you intelligent, 6-2-2-0-2. So a lot of good attributes, but I still have Horn ahead of him. I have Farley ahead of him too. I love Farley with the 4-3 oh, speed. Oh, I love Farley. Tyson Campbell. <laughs> Tyson Campbell's a tremendous corner. Ashante Samuel Jr. is more of a slot corner, um, but possibly with the combination of burst and speed and agility and all those things, might be the most well-rounded corner of any of these guys. Mm -hmm. And then uh, from Northwestern last year, Greg Newsom, only 12 catches against this kid. Now, they only played six games, but only 12 catches against him, 34 targets, 93 yards against him the whole year. Talk about shutting things down. So he's another guy to keep an eye on. Now let's get into another position of need. The other spot, me and Mike are going to do a couple of the ones that are our biggest needs here right at the beginning. Mike went ahead and did cornerback. I'm going to walk us through offensive linemen here. Now, to me, Mike, the best offensive lineman in the draft, kind of a no-brainer. Most people are on the same page with this. Penny Sewell, Oregon, 6'6", 325, just an absolute monster. Won the Outland Trophy in 2019, didn't play last year. But he's, a lot of people think he's a better prospect than any of the guys that came out last year. Better than Wills, better than Werfs, um, Becton or Thomas. And he has all the skills you need to be a 15-year Hall of Fame type player in the NFL. Um, mm -hmm. Dominant in pass protection. In the run game, he's tremendous. Extent, but amazing strength, strength and when he's out there moving and he overpowers guys. He wants to turn you. So the second level, he's nasty. So Penny Sewell, number one, we all know that. It's when you get to number two, that no matter where you look, no matter what list you look up, Mike, me, you, everyone we talked to, when we went ahead and chatted with the guys from Weapons Hot, nobody has a real consensus on that second guy that I see. Yeah. A lot like five, six, seven, eight different guys are all in a lot of different mocks or in a lot of top 10s or 20s, all are that number two guy. So when I went through, the guy I liked the most, and a lot a lot of it has to do with how well he played, but also the versatility, which Joe Douglas seems to love, is Elijah Vera Tucker from USC. Now, WalterFootball.com has him as their number two guy. When I looked at everything and I looked at how well he played at not just guard, but also left tackle and what he could bring to the team with versatility, he seems like someone that even though Darisaw and Slater and some other guys might get a little more pub, I think this is maybe a guy who's the most versatile offensive lineman in the draft. A mm -hmm. very smart player, doesn't put himself in any bad positions. So that's what you want to see from your from your, from your offensive lineman when they're very, very intelligent. Uh, maybe best suited for a zone blocking scheme, which is what we're going to run, which is a good fit for us. Pass protection last year, 305 blocking snaps, only eight pressures on the quarterback. So even in pass protection, he did very well. And a nasty no, Makai Becton has. Okay, what if he went ahead and get the violent streak? And you put him at right tackle, you put him at left guard. Kidding me? Yeah. And the Ooh. whole left side of the line is just locked down? You don't yeah. have to worry about nothing, Zach Wilson. I mean, that sounds good to me. That's a starter yeah. for me for the next 10 years. I think at number three, I'm looking at Christian Darisol, left tackle, Virginia Tech, 6'5", 314, wide human being when you see him from left to right. Tremendous in pass protection. Um, last year when he went, like, I think it's Rousseau from Miami, that great edge rusher, just dominated him in that game when they played 2020 All-ACC first team. Zero sacks, zero hits, zero hurries on his quarterback last season. You cannot do better than that, Mike. That's a perfect season. 95.6 PFF grade. So that's I mean, a monster like right Tucker there. But another guy who's a left tackle. Better. We already have Because of the versatility. We could put him at right tackle or we could put him at left guard. Um, I think Rashad Slater to me is the fourth best offensive lineman in this draft. Physical, athletic, has all the size you want. He's more suited maybe to play guard. He's 6'3", 306, not the biggest guy. Arm length may be an issue for him. That's why I think yeah, he's two, a little two. further down. 
And I know we, when we spoke to Jimmy Jardine, he said arm length might not be as big of an issue. And I understand that. But when you with 33 and a half inch arms out there at tackle, they're looking for a little bit longer than that. They're looking for those Debrickishaw Ferguson arms out there, mm -hmm. like where they're yeah. they're making that first contact to push you off balance, maybe just that split second sooner. So he mm -hmm. might be better suited to play guard, but has the foot quickness, has the agility, athleticism to play tackle also, but just maybe not the size. Very smart. I think a lot of people think in the NFL, I've seen this said, smart enough guy to play center. So maybe that's where he segues to. Those are four guys right there that I think are maybe the best four offensive linemen to me, at least, in this draft. And then the fifth one I'm going to say is Tevin Jenkins, Oklahoma State. Um, Big 12 does not have that many good edge rushers. Doesn't have a lot of great edge rushers. So maybe you say he wasn't tested to the level of some of these other guys. But we went against Osai from Texas there. Um, he dominated him. He's a first-team All-Big 12 player. He's a mauler out there, too, which I like him. He's one of those guys though, that plays right to the whistle and then gets penalties a lot. So maybe he's a little too aggressive. Has to work on the mental aspect of the game a little bit. Very nasty. Finishes the blocks very well. I know, Mike, there's someone, when we spoke about when we spoke about this um, originally, though, a few different guys on your list, at least, you think Jet Finch take a look at also. Yeah, I thought Wyatt Davis was somebody to look at. Uh, Creed Humphrey uh, out of Oklahoma was another guy to look at. But yeah, shout, I out agree to, with, shout out to Jimmy Jardine on Creed Humphrey because we know that. He loves him. Creed Humphrey. And that's a, yeah, and that's the best was, center, and he's a center, and he might be yeah. the best center in the draft. And if they go ahead and grab Creed Humphrey at 23, that's not to me a reach because, as we right. said earlier, you draft him, you slide him to center, maybe you move McGovern to right guard or left guard, and you improve your team in two different ways. Right. Right. Jimmy Jardine is very high on Creed Humphrey. He believes we should grab him absolutely. And I'm not, you look, I'm not going to say no to anything like that because if he feels that he is worth that, look, if we had another Nick Mangold at 23, I would take him in one second. Now imagine this. Are you kidding me? Playing right into what Jimmy Jardine said to us and speaking about Creed Humphrey for a moment. Um, if he's available at 23, or if they take him at the top of the second round, hypothetically, you have yourself a left tackle and a center who could be on the team for 10 to 50 years. We've done that once before, and we it did. worked out pretty well for us. You know, we had those two staples in there, and then you could build around them all those years, which we did with Brick and which we did with Mangled for a long time. Correct. And we got that pick, I believe, by trading John Abraham. And then we're able to leverage the draft picks there to grab and set our offensive lineup. And we went to a bunch of playoffs from there. So, yeah, I really like your your list. I thought Slater was higher until I looked at that arm length. And that arm length scares me. That's straight up T-Rex. I don't know how those guys are going to be. You go against some of these top edge rushers, you know. I don't no. know, man. You're running up in there with the little yeah. thing. You know what I'm saying? And other so, guys to keep an eye on, too. Like when you said Wyatt Davis. He's, he's really tremendous. He got an injury in the national title game, so he just has that injury concern there. I don't know if the knee is going to be an issue or not, but just untimely injury for him or else maybe he'd be higher on a lot of people's lists. Carmen right. from Clemson, um, mm -hmm. a tremendous offensive lineman, and of course Leatherwood too from Alabama, good player. Mm -hmm. So, hey, we know we need to upgrade and get another young offensive lineman on the team, get him at that cheap contract like we have Becton locked into for the next three or four years. So I think it's a no-brainer with 23 or there at the top of the second. we got to take an offensive lineman, Mike. I'm going to just yeah. give Jet fans a whole bunch of options right there. All right, let's get to another area where we've had a hole. Now we might have filled it this offseason with Lawson. We haven't had a guy with that skill set in forever coming off the edge. Lawson seems like a beast. We went through it when we grabbed him, Mike. But we can always use more guys. We can always use more edge rushers. That's not a position. You can have too many guys that can get after that quarterback. Why don't you go ahead and let AEBG fans know who you think are the best edge rushers in this year's draft? Yeah, you can't have too, you can't have too many edge rushers. And Carl Lawson is tremendous. He's going to do great with Q. I think our D-line is really getting there. We have a very good, good D-line. I don't think it's elite. But with one of these prospects, it could become one of the elite units in the NFL. For the next couple of years so i'm going to start at number five 
my Richard Weaver out of Pittsburgh. Natural pass rusher. He's big, long, fluid athlete with sneaky explosion. He's a guy, but guy that's going to kind of like some of his skills. He can dip his shoulder to get in position to move the off O-line defender out of the way. Like he has those skills right up front along with being just natural with his swim moves. Um, he recorded 65 tackles, seven sacks, two forced fumbles, and a pick six as a senior. Um, he's arguably the best run defending edge in the in the draft, which is always great to have. He's that ideal combination of size and length, which makes him an issue with blocking. So that's my number five. My number four, this is kind of, you know, controversial here. People have him really high. People have him really low. Gregory Rousseau out of Miami. This is why I love him. Ready? 6'7", 265 pounds. Monster. He is an absolute monster. Now, if you really look at his edge PFF grade, it's really 7.13 passing grade, which is really a uh, pass rushing grade, which is really not that high. Most and the of the vast majority of his production came from the inside against guards and centers, okay? He had an overall grade of 80.7 pass rush grade in 2019, which is almost tied with uh, Jason Awai, guy I'm about to mention here in a second. Uh, but because of his size, okay, like I said, I love elite traits. I love ability, the, what, how that could translate to the next level. I do believe that a guy like Robert Sala can use a guy like Gregory Rousseau in the middle or on the edge, versatile type cat. Uh, my number... Uh, three guy is Jason Oai, 250 pounds. Um, he ran a sub 4 4 uh, 40 dash, and his run defensive grade jumped from 59.5 in 2019 to 89.7 this past season. He has no physical limitations. Dude is a monster out of Penn State. Number two, Quiddy Pay. This guy, powerful, twitchy. 6'4", 272 pounds, has a good first step, not great, good, and his side-to-side -side and power is unique. He is swimming and winning, Keith. Swimming <laughs> and winning, okay? Hear that he one? has, and here, and here, and get this, Keith, of all the guys, he has elite power. Remember what I was saying about the what? His, his, his center of gravity, his power, his strength and quickness, yo, there's no other cat in the draft that's like him. So you put a guy like that on the line, you know, he'll go after it. Subs, uh, his sub 6.53 six cone at 272 pounds. <laughs> it's a craziness. Ridiculous. Four games in 2020, he racked up 22 pressures, 11 run stops. And as a result, he saw his overall grade leap from 80.9 in 2019 to 86.3 last season. And my top guy, Jason, Jalen Phillips. Now, reason why? Best pure pass rusher in the draft, period. Most explosive first step. Ability to get off the ball is crazy eye-popping. He has size, length, burst, bend. He's incredibly disruptive. He goes after it, and he doesn't wait. Like, he goes after cats. Like, you you hike the ball, and he's like a freak kill you the best speed to power ratio in the draft okay he ran a four five six forty he is 
run defense grade and 86.7 pass rushing grade this past season at Miami uh, was amazing. Now, the one thing that lowered his stock a little bit was the fact that he had he got injury issues and he was forced to medically retire out of UCLA because of concussions. So that is an issue. But healthy to me, number one guy. Yeah, and when yeah. you look at Phillips, he had eight sacks last year. Quiddy Pie, even I, high on everybody's list, I think. And yeah, he probably got yeah. himself into that top ten range. But he only has eleven and a half sacks his whole career at Michigan. So the production's mm. always been the question there. Mm -hmm. um, I don't really have any. I don't really have any uh, discrepancies with that list, Mike. When it comes to Jalen Phillips, when it comes to Quiddy Pie, both tremendous guys. I think that, like we said earlier, you can't really have enough guys at edge. Um, Basham Jr. at Wake Forest was tremendous. Uh, Rousseau, though, I mean, he's just that guy is he's a monster. Hugh, it's like a, like a stray hand. That'd be like a stray hand getting into the team. Yeah, man. And if you have him and Quinnen and you have Lawson, that's Ooh. issues. That's causing issues for teams right there, Mike. And that'll Easy. segue into the, you know, the guy who the player that might actually be the best edge rusher is technically kind of classified as a linebacker. Um, and that'd be Micah Parsons when you look oh, at yeah. everything he could do. I mean, he has the best, he's the best linebacker in college ever graded on PFF. Yep. The highest yep. grade in the history of PFF. He's a 4-3-40 time. I know he's 240. Maybe he'll be 245 by the time he enters the NFL. But that's a dude. Say he was just an edge rusher. And I'm, we'll get right to your linebacker rankings right now. I'm, I'm going out on the limb and assuming that might be your number one. Is oh, absolutely. He's number one. He is the Kyle Pitts of linebackers. There's no question about it. He's a freak athlete. He can play edge, like you said. Portally runs in the 4-3s at 240. Are you kidding me? Bro. I, I definitely think he's going top 10. He has to. I, I I mean, Detroit maybe could take him. I don't know. But yeah, he's number one. No question. Jeremiah Owusi was my number two. Now, this dude, to me, is probably the best in coverage. So if we had like a, if you look at our team and we were to pick him up and put him at the will, right? Because our boy Blake Cashman can't stay, you know, healthy. You know, you put a guy like this, he often had to run with receivers downfield and earned coverage grades of 77.2 in 2019 and 82.3 in 2020 the past two seasons a linebacker okay. that's this is a linebacker. Old. yeah yeah out yeah, of no, Notre Dame I love, I day. love Awusu. you know that's my boy yeah yeah and his short and the short area of quickness he has is like like you said those quick twitch guys um he and he explodes I know he's only 215 220 but when you watch ND play he exploded into hits so he mm -hmm. might be someone that seems look at oh maybe we'll slide him over one of those those big safeties like the way Jamal Adams plays but a tremendous prospect Yes, and I, I really, really love him. He's he's built for the modern, to defend the modern offense. Yeah. Very flexible. Salah could use him across the board, even maybe even play some safety if he had to. You know what I'm saying? So I, I really, really like him. Jabril Cox is the next guy on my list. Last three seasons at North Dakota State before transferring to LSU. This past season, his coverage grades was 87.4 in 2018, 85.2 in 2019, and 83.5 in 2020 while collecting eight picks and 11 pass breakups over that span love jabril cox number four is zavin collins out of tulsa six yes. foot four 260 Huge. he's a freaking horse man old fashioned a, size linebacker beast beast yeah, like cat Buckus, yes you know yep yep <laughs> earned earned himself a 91.1 overall grade including a 90.6 mark on the passer rusher and a 93.7 grade in coverage he's a phys he's also a physical freak and my number five look a lot of people don't even have this guy ranked in their top 10 this is just me okay like i said skills right chaz surratt 
out of North Carolina. Single most reckless blitzer in the draft, racking up 62 total pressures on 200 pass rush, 200 pass rushing snaps over the past two seasons as an off-ball linebacker. His lateral sideline to sideline range, turning down, it's the seam, getting after tight ends, chasing after quarterbacks. He can do it all. Don't sleep on this dude because again it's all about the skills yeah. and letting these nfl players see the oh wow this guy can blitz what let's go <laughs> put him in this package you see what i'm saying and Absolutely. then in the right situation a cat like this could be you know yeah so i yeah. love him yeah now when it comes to collins last year he was he was a monster too that guy and i, I don't know he he's someone you see going in different places between like 10 and 20 and 25 last yeah. year eight games there at tulsa 54 tackles he had four sacks, four interceptions, two forced fumbles, and two touchdowns. Um, the one other guy not to sleep on is from Missouri, Nick Bolton. He's six foot two thirty-two. After after Micah Parsons, he's the highest graded linebacker on PFF. Um, led the SEC and stops the past two years. So his instincts, one of those guys, just tremendous instincts, which is what you need to play middle linebacker. All the intangibles you need to be a tremendous linebacker. Um, maybe yeah. he could be a second round guy, but I think a guy who might sneak into the end of that first round there. All right, Mike, let's get into another area of need for the squad, of which there's many so i've had to say that more than once running back now mm. tevin coleman is i think not a bad complimentary running back for any team not a bad player at all pretty decently productive or at least an average running back throughout his career right i think p ryan could be okay last year gase didn't really use him at the end of the year where the offensive line was a little bit compromised so p ryan decent um and we have our boy ty johnson too who when he got when he showed last year he could play a little bit has hands you never know but we do need a number one to me now, the scheme they're running, what they did out there in San Francisco, I don't know if we're going to be doing the identical type of run and zone blocking scheme where you just plug in whoever and they're great. That'd be nice. We all love that. Everyone likes to say, look what the Niners did. You throw anyone in and they're yeah. great. But they threw anyone in and they were great because their offensive line also was tremendous. I mean, that's mm -hmm. helpful, right? That's really helpful. So um, I know a lot of the running backs they ran out there weren't household names and they were able to produce. Doesn't mean that transfers over here to New York. It'd be good to have a stud. You know, it'd be good to have someone you can count on. And we won't belabor it too much when it comes to these running backs. So we know right there at the top, Mike, at number one, like for most people, it's either ETN or it's Najee Harris. For me, right. my my favorite running back in this draft, the most complete back in this draft, also because the size advantage he has over ETN is Najee Harris. I mean, mm -hmm. he just could do everything. When, what did you need an NFL running back to do? He can catch the ball. Um, he's a great blocker when it comes to the blocking game. 6'2", 230, like I said. Projects to run around a 4'5". I don't know if there's a lot of running backs like him in this draft. Runs over tacklers, runs through tacklers. Um, very powerful lower body. Three touchdowns, as we know, in the national title game. Seven catches, 79 yards in that game. Also ran for 80 yards. So when you look at him uh, this year at Alabama, Mike, 1,466 yards, 26 touchdowns rushing. Savage. Four touchdowns receiving. That's just... That's not normal stats. I know. I know it's Alabama, but even in Alabama, that's ridiculous. That's. Just I'll be. I'll be honest with you. He is like just me. Okay, I like him better than almost every running back prospect. Maybe since I don't know Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, I love this kid. Yeah. I think he is good. If he goes to the don't right you, team, and it seems like for some reason, I know the the running, but the perspective of that position's changed in the NFL. The value teams put in it where guys get drafted. We know Mike Elliott was drafted right at the top of the draft mm -hmm. i think Najee harris is tremendous running back talent wise prospect wise coming in do you I think he's like better he's, than barkley 
Uh, no, I Prospect. Think Bar- I'll give Barkley an edge when it comes to coming in. Um, Barkley, not, I mean, maybe it's an edge by a hair. Um, Barkley okay. was absolutely okay. tremendous. Also, Najee Harris' production destroys Barkley's production. Yep, yep. Um, but he won the Doak Walker Award last year, All-American 2020, first-team All-SEC. We know the deal. Same thing when it comes to Travis Etienne, guys. He has some stats that are just absolutely ridiculous. And I'm asking you, I'm asking you because of SCFL reasons. So, (laughs) (laughs) are you getting the personal reasons though? Now I see. Trying to figure out the thinking of the machines, the evil scout over here. Because I'm the I'm the known best scout, guys. Mike's trying to break down the wall, (laughs) break down the wall live on the show, and get some information out of me. Uh, I'm asking the question. Oh, I know. You're hearing all my favorite guys right now on the show. I didn't even think about that yet. My (laughs) second favorite running back is Etn. Um, When it comes to college production. He's pretty much unrivaled. Like this, he yeah. has uh, two times All-American, two times ACC Player of the Year, NCAA All-Time Leader in total games with a touchdown, with 46. I mean, he's one of those guys, kind of like an Alvin Kamara, who could take a pass, blast at 60 yards, take a screen pass, go down the sideline, take a hand off a pitch, anything, and you know get production out of it. Because once he gets going, it's hard to stop. For his size, I know he's 5'10", 200, still generates a lot of power when they go to, he can get through the holes in those tight spaces, not just get knocked down um, easily. Like you see like a Tariq Cohen type guy. I know he's a much smaller player, Tariq Cohen, but sometimes those type of players, they're not going to go through a hole and get yards. They got to go around guys to get yards. Yeah. He has no problem getting yards any way you need to. So ETN to me, number two running back, averaged 7.2 yards a carry in his college career. Ridiculous. I mean, that's just, That's unbelievable. And it's not like he's somebody that didn't have a lot of carries. I mean, he, he got the ball a million times a game, so... That's just, that's out of control. And he's running a 4-4 out there. Now, my third running back on the list here, and I think this is a very interesting player because out there in, at UNC, they split the, the, the carries between Williams and Carter. Basically identical carries. They even had the same exact amount of reception. So that's a, yeah. a literal split right down the middle. But Javante Williams, 5'10", 225. I mean, that's, that's a house right there. And I love I, him. I do think he's the third best running back in this draft. He led the ACC in touchdowns last year. Downhill rusher. Has the toughness you want when it comes to an NFL running back. Um, An absolute load. Because he generates a lot of acceleration. I don't know what his 40 times is going to be. Um, But he generates, you see when you watch the games, UNC, because they ran the ball a lot. He, he generates power when he's running through the hole, especially with that size. Showed a lot of improvement last year to the previous year. Definitely has three down potential because he can catch the ball also. And the type of guy that could take that two-yard gain make it a five-yard game, make it a six-yard game. Yeah. Game's moving. And I think that's someone that if the Jets were able to draft him, get him maybe in the second round, and you he was more your workhorse, because he could be a bell cow. He's got the size. And you have all those other running backs we have around him. That could be a very effective guy to have in the squad next year. My number four guy, guy who didn't play last year, he sat out four members of his family for Kenny Gainwell from Memphis, passed away from COVID. So we opted out of last season. 5'11", 200 pounds. Not the biggest guy. Similar size to ETN, but absolutely electric. What he's able to do. Mm-hmm. 231 carries, almost 1,500 yards in 2019. If you remember, tons of highlights. He was all over yeah. the place. Tons of touchdowns. Around a 4'4", 40 time. But he has. He's, they compare him. His comparison, I should say, is Christian McCaffrey, which is some high high regard to have it's him incredible. in. It's um, incredible. Mismatch nightmare because of the explosiveness he has in those tight spaces. So um, I think he's another guy to keep an eye on, Kenny Gainwell. And then number five, now this is someone, Mike, that when we talk about sample size and we talk about how much we've seen of a player, Trey Sermon isn't someone that people have that much film on in, in, in relation to him being super successful. When he was at Oklahoma State, started as a freshman, wasn't bad at Oklahoma State. I don't know what happened there by his junior year, but transfers to Ohio State, was splitting carries there also with Master Teague. Eventually, they realized this is the guy we want to give the ball to 20 times a game instead of 10 times a game, and you saw his stats go through the roof. I mean, that Michigan State game that he had was ridiculous, but you look at the three games he had in a row after that, um, the Big Ten title game, 331 yards. 
and two touchdowns. A Big Ten. Yeah. I mean, me, me and Mike were texting during that game. That was ridiculous. Insane. What he was doing. That was actually ridiculous. In the Sugar Bowl, 193 yards. You know, went crazy. Um, didn't get to really show his wares there in the national game. Mike, he got hurt, but great footwork sets up his blocks well. Good visions, good balance. I don't know if he has the ultimate breakaway speed. We don't necessarily need that to be the greatest running back in the NFL, but a bit of a mystery, like I said, just because of how how limited. Um, he was when it came to exposure last year. Only, only really maybe started, started insofar as carries goes, maybe like four or five games. But I think he's someone that even in the passing game, could show you could do a little something. A mystery, but a good prospect when it comes to NFL running back. Yeah, agreed. I agree with your entire list. Um, I would say that the top three to me are in, a, well, I'd say Najee and Etienne are in their own class. And then you have Javante Williams and then the and then the other two, in my opinion, in that way. Um, there's a couple of other dudes you can name there, but I think that the list you had is very crisp and accurate. And I would say that my wide receiver list you would probably also agree with because I think that the talent there is pretty much stone cold in your face. Jamar chase is one of the best prospects that the nfl has seen since calvin johnson that is how good he is he didn't even play last year and teams are already lined up his pro comparison is a guy like Devonte adams i mean we i think we can all agree he is the number one prospect the number two to me is Devonte smith i mean did you see the kid in the national championship game i understand the concerns about his size but he is a playmaker this kid i mean you could make comparisons to guys like marvin harrison you could make comparisons to a bunch of different playmakers but he has sands he has size or size excuse me he has length he has speed he can jump he has elite traits i love Devonte smith uh number three for me is jalen waddle he has ankle breaking speed this guy is, like I said, Robbie Anderson, but bigger, stronger, faster. He is a home run waiting to occur. I absolutely think he's going in the first round. You know, we talked about my corners. He was a guy that they would always put the number one corner on between him and Smith because he's a problem. Waddle, he's a problem. My next guy is Kadarius Tony out of Florida. He has some impressive, really impressive highlights, and uh, most teams are going to be really enticed getting seeing his hands and his ball skills. Um, he, he he does have tremendous speed. Uh, love the kid out of uh, Florida, and then my last guy, you could say Rashad Bateman. I like Elijah Moore. Um, he's a great athlete and has excellent route running that's what really i love about him and his soft hands i know he played the slot there but uh he's a guy that reminds me of emmanuel sanders um i i think elijah moore if put on the right team would be in a great situation there so those are my five i know their bateman is probably going to get you know mentioned higher by some of them but those are those are my receivers yeah i like bateman too my, my one two three the same exact uh as you mike i mean jamar chase is just i know stats in 2019 were just completely from a different planet i think he had almost 1750 yards something crazy 20 yeah. touchdowns with joe burrow i mean justin jefferson was the number two receiver to him yeah justin jefferson just went to the nfl and said every type of rookie passing record, uh, receiving record so that just shows you what type of type of prospect he is devonta smith heisman trophy winner we know all the all the skills that he has one thing i, I will say with 
Devonta Smith. My only drawback, Mike, he's a buck seventy-five. I know. And it's like they said. I, I was looking up the other day. There's only been two wide receivers in the NFL at his size ever drafted below 180 pounds. It doesn't happen very often. So mm. gonna put on a little bit of weight, but we know the skills. You've seen what he can do. So I think putting on a weight will be the last. Position. Waddle's tremendous. I like Rashad Bateman too. He has the size. Great with routes. Great with contested catches. One issue with him is drop balls. 19 drop balls and 166 catchable balls there at Minnesota. You don't want to see that. Exactly, and that's why I put Elijah Moore and Kadarius above him because yeah. I see that. It was the same thing why you and I didn't really like Sam Darnold coming out of USC. We did not like the turnovers. Turnovers, yeah. We, were, we I mean, saw the turnovers yeah. and we were like, you know what? I think I'll go with uh, Mayfield. Yeah. You know and what nine, I'm saying? 19 drops is a lot. I don't like that. <laughs> you know? I don't like that. So, and like yeah. one guy, and I like Elijah Moore too. I like uh, Rondell Moore from Purdue. I like Tony from FSU. Uh, yeah. But uh, one guy that's kind of overlooked here is Terrence Marshall Jr. from LSU. 6'3", 205. Long limbs. Catch radius is ridiculous on him. Now, we have a Denzel Mims, so maybe we don't need a receiver like him. Um, but as many good guys as you can get, you get. If you, if you fall to you at a value spot, um, he's a guy that also had some issues with drops. Don't get me wrong. Here and there, not to the level of Bateman, but a huge catch radius. Has made some spectacular catches out there at LSU. In his career, that LSU, 106 catches catches 23 touchdowns 21 percent of his catches at lsu touchdowns red zone he's that's a real red zone target right there yeah man and you know let's Excellent. and another guy who is a red zone target to the highest level is oh. kyle pitts now oh, mike's goodness. not mike loves kyle pitts as a tight end we've talked about this mike and i but what me and mike have debated with our friends and we talked about with the weapon talk guys when we tried to do this the first time was tight end prospects getting drafted fourth fifth sixth seventh that high in the draft in most recent memory at least have not had the most success or a lot of the first round draft pick tight ends haven't had the highest level of success doesn't mean that kyle pitts I'm won't but just mike when you look at that position as kind of people look at running back now where the value has changed still tremendous position if you have a guy like pitts or a kelsey or a kittles we know the matchup nightmare we all know but i'm saying the value there I think if you keep if teams keep drafting guys like a hawkinson or an oj howard really high and they don't work out right away like continues to happen they're going to fall down in the draft. So when I see him fourth or fifth, I, I scratch my head too. What do you think about it? I think that the, when the tight end started getting sexy, when Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez were first on the scenes at, uh, you know, with the Patriots, I think people looked at that like, wow, look at the tight end. It was never really a sexy position. It was more for blocking. It was there. But you never really had a tight end that could transform an offense. So once they did that, you started seeing some other guys pop up, guys like Travis Kelsey, like we talked about today. We see George Kittle. We see guys like Waller. So a lot of different teams are like, man, let me get one of these specimen tight ends, and then maybe we can make our offense to become sexy like that. Well, guess what? It's about scheme fit and how you coach. Look at Adam Gase with Gasecki. He was putting him as a blocker. Once he left, now Gasecki took off. Chris Herndon is not good. He drops the ball. We understand that. But under Gase, he was epically terrible. It's probably it's it's coaching, but it's also him too, right? Understood. Yeah. So every single season, we keep hearing about these unicorn. You know, we hear about, oh, Hawkinson or OJ Howard or, or or Eric Ebron. Like every single year I hear about this insanely ins great tight end. And then they come in the league and what do they do? What do they do? I mean, what is Hawkinson? What is what is Eric Ebron, right? They're not bad players, but are they superstars? Are they changing offenses? No, because they're not utilizing them correctly or honestly, they were just hype. Right. Because of this whole sexy tight end, you know, destroying the defense type thing. Right. So Kyle Pitts, I'm not taking anything away from him. I think he's going to be an amazing NFL player. I love him. 
but i do believe this narrative around tight ends is a bit overdone in my opinion yeah that's just me and it does seem like when it comes to pitch he pits he will he's more like a receiver who's 240 almost you know he's, and he's only 20 years old Mike coming into this draft, which is crazy. You look, you look at his age there. Seventeen touchdowns the past two years for him. Lit Alabama up for seven seven catches, one twenty nine in the TD. At um, the beginning of the year, four touchdowns, one hundred and seventy yards. That first game of the year to kind of kind of mark his presence here as a top of the NFL prospect. But I know what you mean when it comes to tight ends in most recent memory, at least. Hawkinson wasn't bad last year. I think he had seven hundred yards or something. But same token. Is that that much of a game changer that you want to draft that guy fifth or sixth? I mean, in Pitts, much better prospect than Hawkinson. I'm not comparing the two. I even his catch radius and everything he's able to do, I'll take him over Hawkinson all day. But that position has changed. And when I look at the number two guy, obviously number one we know is Pitts, Mike. I think for Penn State, Pat Fryermuth, 6'5", 250, has the size, has the hands, has the toughness you want. Loves contact, what you want to see. Blocking maybe needs to improve. Um, In four games last year, because you know Penn State didn't play the, the entire schedule, Mike. Four games last year, still had 310 yards, one touchdown. And his career there at Penn State, 92 catches, 1,185 yards, 16 touchdowns. He was able to produce. Just has to maybe improve on the blocking. Um, the first three guys, I think, are, the, are consensus to most people, at least prospect-wise. I know that uh, Pitts is obviously number one. Firemuth or Brevin Jordan from Miami is most people's two or three. Brevin Jordan, 6'3", 245, so kind of a tweener. Um, we can line up everywhere in the field, which is which is versus versatile player. Speed's good enough to create separation, even though he's 245 pounds there. Um, when it comes to Miami's offense, you look at what they did last year in college football. They didn't really pass the ball a lot. King out, King had about 2,700 yards passing throughout the whole season. Um, their leading receiver didn't even have 800 yards, so he was still able to have. 576 yards, seven touchdowns, average about 15 yards a catch. So that's pretty good. After that, bit of a crapshoot. To me, the number four guy is Hunter Long from Boston College, 6'5", yeah. 253. You know, reliable. I don't think he has the physical and athletic skills of those first three guys we mentioned. Not mm -hmm. going to run a crazy 40. More like a Kyle Rudolph-type tight end, I think, in the NFL. But he led all tight ends last year in college football in receptions. His 685 yards last year was only second to, to Pitts out there. Five touchdowns, so a productive player, even though he's not somebody that necessarily is uh, the most athletic tight end in the world. And then Tommy Tremble from ND, I'll put him at five, blocking tight end. Could get the ball. He looked like he can get the job done when they threw it to him. They didn't throw it to him a lot of ND. Maybe the best, probably the best blocking tight end in the draft. On the move, you're doing a sweep. There's a screen pass, dump out. When he's moving, definitely the best blocking tight end in the draft. So I don't, I know what happened last time the Jets drafted a blocking tight end. Mike lost his mind. So they yeah. better not do that again. All right, Mike yeah. is still mad about it. Tight. When it comes to Travis Wesco. So we don't need to go in that direction. It's a position that's also been an area of weakness for a while now. We've had Sam Ficken in there. We brought our boy Castillo in there. Jason Myers was good a few years ago, but prior to that, we had some bad kickers too. Playing out there at MetLife Stadium, even with the new stadium angle in a different direction and all that jazz, still very windy, a tough place to kick. We need a good kicker. And we have not had one. I know the stats weren't that bad for our kickers last year. Not as bad as they've been in the past. But we could use a reliable kicker here. And now with this trade we did with Carolina, to get that extra sixth round pick, that's about that kicker sweet spot. That yep. sixth, seventh round. That, unless you go nuts like the Jets did that one year drafting Nugent in the second round. Unless oh you lose your goodness. mind. You know, our yeah. Tampa Bay, they drafted your boy, um, I think, Aguero or whatever his name was. Tampa yeah, Bay. yeah, yeah. Sometimes teams lose it. Okay, um, but I think fifth, sixth, seventh round, that's the ballpark. We might go ahead and take a kicker. We're not going to break down too many kickers for you guys. There's only two guys we really want to mention. One of them, probably the best kicker in the country right now, Evan McPherson, Florida, absolute beast. Savage. Bombing balls. They're showing YouTube videos of him crushing balls. They're showing him kicking before games, 60 yarders. 
on him kicking before game, 60 yarders. CJ, CJ already loves has him. an Evan McPherson tattoo on his chest. <laughs> okay, that's how committed he is to this, guys. He's yeah. fully committed from Weapon Top. So yeah. I think that's probably the best kicker in the country. Borogalas from Miami, another good kicker, a guy to mention. And of course, we have to get into our boy from Arizona, Christian Nelson Manny Higuera. Absolute legend. Absolute kicking legend. He went viral recently. Pat McAfee was chatting about him recently. Our chat was steps ahead of all of them. Doesn't have the necessary, necessarily the frame you see on an average kicker at 5'4", 275 on his most updated profile on Arizona Christian, but gets the job done, Mike. We, we had inside information. I mean, Senor sent the prospect over to Wookie and let him know, and Wookie let us know, and that's how we knew about this guy and uh, I thought I knew he uh, visited uh, Los Huevos University um, so we did get input from there but this guy I mean how can you even dismiss this anomaly I mean this guy comes into the NFL and will just immediately be you know head and shoulders the best kicker we've ever seen you how could you be that size and kick accurately the way he does i love it i absolutely so many, love it so many aspects of <laughs> his story is are amazing to me just the, <laughs> the physics involved in what he's able to generate that that plant leg the amount of force on that plant leg when our boy just goes to kick it i mean a lot of things are going on there that are defying that knee, science that and nature that yeah, knee exactly. that knee taking all that pressure man but i'll oh tell you what goodness. we bring the big guy in he starts blasting field goals through no one cares what size you are that that's no one cares right what size you are, man 2021 we're past all that dude we're and, not going to judge you by your size man he's kicking 46 yard game winning field goals mike and one last thing i want to say is there's a lot of people out there that are talking about slot corner and how we have a hole and we need to bring back brian Poole. you know you guys remember robbie anderson undrafted player right you knew right away that he was talented because you could see in the rookie season he was already doing what he had to do and a lot of times when you see these rookies you could tell yeah this guy's gonna be a player look at this this output right away right let me just quickly say something about our boy javelin gidry the number four rated defender by pff on for the new york jets okay with a 73.1 18 total tackles okay with 15 targets 12 to stand alone okay this guy three force fumbles on the slot undrafted rookie remember four three speed when i see an undrafted rookie produce like this just being thrown into the mitt the mess remember with adam gase and everything all that was going on you don't think that a guy like robert sala is going to have this guy take the next step i'm all about javelin gibbery i'm all about giving him a shot to be our starting cor slot cornerback he has those elite traits and he's shown production i love him i don't need to bring back brian Poole. you want to get another guy for depth fine give the job to gidry that's what i gotta say yeah last year absolutely tremendous popped on the scene getting forced fumbles all over the place in college too for for a guy who plays corner had a lot of tackles too so not afraid of the contact friend of the show his dad wrote a tremendous book. Everyone go out there and get that. Javin Gidry, we support you in every way, shape, or form. Always. And Mike, that's our draft primer for everyone. We hope we went through all the players people are interested in, maybe taught you some new information about guys you didn't know. Who knows what's going to go on with this draft in a few weeks. Me and Mike are going to do the Mock Madness 2021. Justin, we have to put it out there. Our Mock Madness 2020, pretty good. Pretty Solid. accurate. Solid. We've, Mims, Becton, I mean, the guys that we 
suggested for the spots in the draft where they got selected was pretty accurate. Comparatively speaking, I know it's difficult. Mel Kuyper gets them all wrong. You do a mock draft, 98% of it's going to be wrong. We know that. We know that, guys. Something will always go awry. However, last year we did pretty good. Got to pass. Yep. Got to be honest. This year it's going to be longer because we got to go to 23 this time. We went to 11 last time. We got to go to 23, but it'll be me, you, and Wook with yes. the great Tina doing the whole show I yeah, my, i'm so excited I'm my lovely so excited. my lovely wife tina will be helping us out hosting the show like she did last year she'll make her on-screen appearance for abd she's very excited mike very excited about that what she said to me was look tabitha got to do the halloween show that's my show <laughs> so i was like all right so i was like all right babe she wants her screen time too man she wants to get a little taste of this abg world out here but mike if anyone does want to get at us support us in any way shape or form where can they do that well, we're hosted on the Elite Sports Radio Network. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spreaker.com. Please follow us on Facebook at AEBG.JetsRadio, on Twitter at AEBG underscore NYJ Podcast, and on Instagram at Jet.AEBG. You heard the man on behalf of the biggest Jet fan in the state of Texas. My name is Keith Farrell. Good at you next week, everybody. Peace out. Hey, this is your name, your name, your name. And, uh... They say it ain't easy. Gang Green. Gang Green. The New York Jets. Have their man. The Jets got themselves a great Robert Sala. Robert Sala. Talk about all gas, no break. The great one. We're not talking about effort on the field. Woo! We're talking about the process at which we do things. Oh, I'm not going to lie to you. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Keep your foot on the ground. Base, 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 base. There's no way I'm not going to have enthusiasm on the sideline. Hey, own this rut. Own this rut. The New York Jets. We beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. everybody and welcome to the latest edition of the ain't easy being green podcast broadcasting to you live from beautiful amazing crystal lake